know, it's been four weeks since Pastor Joe was here at Morayfield. So I, I, did you have to put it in your GPS where Morayfield was? <laughs> just, just wondering. <laughs> Though uh, it's good to have Joe back. Who loves Pastor Joe and Yovana? You know, uh, the Bible says to honour those that, that do the work well, and I want to honour Joe and Yovana. They make my job so much easier. They make a church, church just a, a much better place. And come on, let's give them a, an honour this morning. Just a, a great couple. I'm going to preach this morning. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, I ask that you would take what I'm about to say. Make it real. Let it help people, oh Lord. Father, let their understanding be opened, O Lord. I'm just a vessel. No one came here to hear me. They need to hear you. And I pray, let them hear something from you in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. So this morning, I want to speak about fear. Now, not all fear is bad, but we shouldn't be controlled by fear. Right now, I fear swimming in deep water off a boat, right? I'm in a deep water. I don't like swimming just like out there in the open ocean. Now, I used to fear that. I never cared about that. I didn't worry about that. I remember I was fishing one day in Adelaide and I was just off the, you know, in between the Gulf and, and, and the mainland and we were way out there and I got hot. It was just a boiling day. Adelaide gets very, very hot. And it was just a boiling day so I jumped out the water and jumped into the water and just had to swim around and it was excellent. The next, we were at a place called the Glenelg Reef. You catch lots of good fish there. The next day, literally the very next day, someone got chomped to death by a great white shark. Right? So from then onwards, I am not swimming in deep water out there. I think that's reasonable. I think that fear keeps me safe. Right? So uh, if you're out there at Glenelg Reef, do not jump in the water. Right? Wise advice. So that fear helps me, keeps me safe. But if I never swim again, then all of a sudden I've allowed fear to control me. You know, one of my, said, one of my kids told me once that she was scared of sharks. So, you know, which one of the ones? You know, like it wasn't the one that comes in all the time. All right. <laughs> but she told me that she was scared of swimming in our swimming pool. Right? <laughs> That's not a healthy fear. All right, so this morning I want to go through a, a story in the Bible we all know, and I want to have a look at Jesus' attitude to fear. It's a famous story. So G- Jairus is a temple ruler. A temple ruler back then, he's the boss. Right? In that society, the temple ruler, they were the one who pretty much kind of arbitrated what was right and what was wrong. They were the ones that said you were good, you were bad, you were clean, you were unclean. They were the ones that held all religious authority in that particular area. So Jairus, this temple ruler, has a daughter, but his daughter is about to die. He is so desperate. His 12-year-old daughter has got this sickness. She's about to die, and he does the unthinkable. He goes to Jesus. So for Jairus, that was a very gutsy thing to do. Temple rulers weren't meant to go to Jesus. Jesus was like the enemy. Jairus was, well, could have been reprimanded. He could have been shamed. He could have worse still been kicked out of the temple or the synagogue 
because he went to Jesus. Jesus was the one who the Pharisees were trying to catch out. Jesus was the one who they were hoping would die. Jesus was the one that they eventually killed. He definitely was going to get cancelled if he went to Jesus. There was another religious leader of the day. His name was Nicodemus and he knew the same things. He also went to Jesus, but he went in the middle of the night when no one could see him. He went in secret. But Jairus doesn't go to him in secret. He actually goes to him when there's a big crowd around him. So, so Jesus' interactions generally with the Jewish leaders was almost always antagonistic. They're almost always trying to get him in a gotcha moment. So when Jairus is coming towards Jesus, even though Jesus would have known why he was coming, right? he, he would have been like, okay, what's happening? The crowd's going, okay, here's another guy. But Jairus, the Bible says, falls at Jesus' feet. It's a posture of servanthood. It's a posture of worship. It's a posture of humility. These people who had always been trying to put it over Jesus, all of a sudden this religious leader comes and falls at Jesus' feet. And, and the Bible actually mentions there's a large crowd. So everybody is seeing this. It was a courageous act by Jairus, the temple ruler. So Jesus decides to go with him. He could have been healed with just a word. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus healed a centurion servant with just a word. He says, "Go." he's already been made whole. So Jesus didn't need to go with him. He could have just said right there and then, your daughter is healed. But he now decides to go with him. Because with Jesus, there's always a reason behind what he is doing. So off they go. And while walking, another courageous woman or person enters the story. A lady who has had an issue of blood for 12 years. And the Bible goes out and says she suffered much. She reaches out and she just touches the hem of Jesus' garment and is immediately healed. She doesn't want to be noticed. She's even more apprehensive. You can imagine when she looks at the crowd, she feels like, I just touch his garment. But she will go, there's Jairus walking with Jesus. The very person who would say she's clean or unclean. The very person that knows about her. The very person that has ostracized her from society. But she's desperate. She knows it's illegal for her to be out there in her condition. And after 12 years of an issue of blood, you've got to think about it. All her friends are gone. Her husband's gone. Her children have gone. Even if they wanted to help her, the system didn't let them. Right? Because if you touch someone who is unclean, you became unclean. It is a horrible system. Twelve year excluded from her family, from her friends, from society. And I don't believe that was ever God's intention when he set those rules of what was clean and unclean way back in the past. But this is what happens when you allow religion to, to come in. Religion will always try and control people. What God had intended for good when he instituted those commands around skin sores, around blood and all of those different things was for the people's good. But they turn it around all those years later to use it to beat someone over the head with and exclude them for. It's actually quite evil. 
And I read a quote the other day, and I think it's going to come up on the screen. At the end of the day, I'd rather be excluded for who I include than included for who I exclude. And I love this story so much because we see Jesus going with someone who's just been trying to get him all the time, a, a temple ruler. He, doesn't, he puts aside all of the things that the temple ruler had been doing. They'll go with you. But he also is willing to heal this lady who's of no consequence in society. And I love that from the bottom to the top. Jesus loves people and no one is excluded from Jesus. It describes Jesus so perfectly, that saying. Let me read it to you again. At the end of the day, and it's one of the things I love about more, I feel. I actually think you live this. I, I feel that anyone is welcome at Morefield. I really believe that. I think it's one of the great things of this church. At the end of the day, I'd rather be excluded for who I include than be included for who I exclude. You know, this woman is courageously in desperation, touches Jesus, and immediately she's healed. Jesus stops in his tracks and he asks, Who touched me? The disciples and everyone's around. What are you talking? They're incredulous. Everyone touched you, Jesus. You're in a crowd. What are you talking about? But Jesus knows that power has gone from him. The lady identifies herself and he commends her and sends her off in peace, but completely healed. As all of this is happening, a person comes and he says to Jairus, don't worry about going, Jairus, to your house. Your daughter has died. Whoa. Imagine Jairus. He's a temple ruler. He's a desperate man. Imagine how mad he would have been. See, he's a boss. And bosses aren't used to having their agendas interrupted. Especially by some woman who shouldn't even be out here. How dare she get her miracle, but my daughter is dead. She shouldn't even be out in the street and she's interrupted my miracle. See, powerful men like Jairus are always used to setting the agenda. They don't, they don't like it when someone that they feel better than setting their agenda. He's mad and upset. And to be honest, I, I, I can see why. Because even if he's a good man, he's, he's just heard that his daughter is dead. Like that, that's full on, right? That is full on. And maybe, just maybe, if Jesus hadn't been interrupted, maybe Jesus would have had the time to, to get there and heal her. But now she's dead. And that's pretty stark, that's pretty final, and that's pretty absolute. And then Jesus says these words. And it's these words that captured my attention in bringing this sermon this morning. He says these words, Luke 8, verse 50. But, on Je but Jesus, on hearing this, hearing that his daughter was dead, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. So I want you to say that with me this morning. Do not fear, only believe. Once again, do not fear, only believe. Jesus says it to him. He actually doesn't address the crowd. He doesn't say it to everyone. He only says it to Jairus, just to him. Do not fear, 
only believe. And here we learn lesson number one. The first thing we need to do when something goes south, when we get a bad report, when something happens that brings us fear, when something happens that we do not like, the first thing we need to do is hear what does Jesus have to say? What is it that Jesus is saying? Don't, you, don't let the crowd sway you. Don't let the bad reports sway you. Right? Hear what Jesus has to say. Get a word from God. And in this situation, Jesus says, do not fear, only believe. So this tells me that Jairus has a choice. He's at a crossroads. He's at an intersection. He can choose a road of fear or he can choose a road of faith. And that's what happens to us all. What happens is that something will happen. Life is going to happen. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that terrible things aren't going to happen to you. But when they do, we're at a crossroad. I can choose a road of fear or I can choose a road of faith. Right? Fear is real. Fear is natural. Fear will always come first because it's from the flesh. Fear comes from the flesh and your flesh will always react first at hearing bad news. But even though fear comes first, we need to respond to that fear with faith. You know, there's an old saying that says, fear knocked on the door, faith opened and no one was there. And that is the truth. Fear not or do not be afraid is something that is spoken about in the Bible again and again and again and again. From the pages of the Old Testament through to the pages of the New Testament, fear not. God is with you. The fact that do not be afraid is again and again highlighted. This is not something that, that is hinted at in the Bible. This is not a suggestion. This is something that from the start to the finish of the Word, God encourages us to do. He says, make a choice. Do not fear, only believe. Respond with faith, not fear. And there's a very good reason for that. Fear activates the flesh. Faith activates your spirit. Fear sees the negative Faith sees the positive. Fear gets you to look at things through past history. Faith says that the different future can develop. Fear sees no possibility of change. Faith knows things can change. Fear leaves you with a sense of hopelessness. Faith leaves you with a sense of hope. Fear steals from you. Faith adds to you. Fear focuses you on the problem. Faith has you focusing on the solution. Fear Feels you feel, makes you feel like you're resigned to your fate, faith opens up all different possibilities. Fear paralyzes you, faith gets you moving. Fear isolates you and makes you feel abandoned and alone. Faith surrounds you with people, as the Bible says, a, fa- a friend is born for the day of adversity. Fear robs you of options, so you only try one thing and then give up. Faith gives you the perseverance to keep going and try every way possible. Fear makes the issue about self. Faith makes the issue about God. So it's no wonder Jesus tells Jairus, do not fear, only believe. Say it with me again. Do not fear, only believe. Again, do not fear, only believe. See, it's a, 
choice. And the Bible tells us to take every thought captive. Remember what I said? Fear works in the flesh. It's your flesh immediately responding to that situation. So let's read 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 with that thought in mind. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For our weapons of warfare are not carnal, they're not flesh. You're not going to defeat this thing in your flesh, but are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So what it's saying is it says your flesh will try and say God's not in this. It'll try and exalt itself against the knowledge that God can help you, that God is with you, that God loves you, that God is for you. It comes against all of that thing and tries to make you think you're not all alone. Makes you feel that this thing is going to overcome you. Makes you feel like you've got no choice, no way. It's just going to get you. It's hopelessness. But then when you allow faith to come in, it exalts itself. It exalts itself against that. And then it says this, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. See, we need to arrest. That is to bring into captivity that try to take us down the fear route and replace them with the thoughts that are driven by faith. And this is one of God's weapons of warfare, the taking of every thought captive. Now I want you to try and follow me on this. Brain researchers, psychologists have worked this out. There's a, and, and if I say the word wrong, please forgive me, I'm definitely not any sort of medical person. There's a part of our brain called the, uh, I always say amygdala, but it's not. It's amygdala. Amygdala. It's about the size of a walnut. It's awesome and it keeps you safe. God is a masterful designer. You need your amygdala. <laughs> it's where you sense danger. That part of the brain. But it doesn't work through thought process. It's instantaneous. That's how it works. Incredible design that God has. Say, and we're glad you should have it. Say if you put your hand on a stove and you just let your prefrontal cortex, whatever that's called, decide your decision. You're going to sit there and go, gee, that's hot. Gee, I should probably take my hand off that. It's probably not doing much good to my hand because that's hot. Right? By the time you thought that all true, you're going to need a spatula to get your hand off. You're going to be in serious trouble. But your amygdala goes, oh, it's hot. Before you've even basically touched it, it's already taken it off. Your amygdala keeps you safe. But sometimes what happens in our brain, that protective design gets misinterpreted. For example, if I had a terrible argument with you in the foyer today, when you left, you go, no, I didn't like the way you said the word amygdala, it's, it's, it's amygdala, it's, it's this and that. And I go, well, I don't care because I just couldn't say it anyway. I tried four different ways. One of them was right, right? So, you, you know, and, and we got in this big argument and then, and we're just like this, right? So then I ring you up during the week. I go, sorry, 
I'm very sorry. I was very in the flesh there and I got mad with you and I shouldn't have done that. And you say, Pastor Mike, I understand. And, and well, I forgive you. And oh, it's just beautiful. It's just, we just made up. We just have this great time. Right? Next Sunday, when you come into church, even though I'm not even here, right? All of a sudden, you have this kind of fidgety feeling. You'll, you'll be a, a little bit nervous. You'll, you feel a little bit out of control, a little bit un, uncomfortable because your amygdala is actually sensing danger. The last time you were in this spot, all of a sudden this happened. Maybe I, I need to maybe be aware. You understand? Now, what happens, it can happen to us. So the last time it happened, oh, I heard about this. So your amygdala starts to tell you that you're in danger. Fear is trying to, to, to get you to, to, to act in a certain way in the wrong way. And, and, and it's why you can't really identify it. It's, it's, it's just there. It's fear just trying to get in to its insidious claws into you. So you've got to take the thought captive. You challenge that fear. You call it out. You arrest it. If someone was robbing your house, you would have them arrested. And that thought is coming into your brain and causing as much damage as someone coming in and trashing your house. You need to take those thoughts into captivity. See, our best actions are controlled by our frontal cortex. That's the part of the brain that controls our thought out decisions. That's where I have all the information and then I make the decision. And the great thing is our frontal cortex will trump our amygdala. So by taking that fear thought captive, by challenging it, I take over the amygdala, whatever you say, and my frontal cortex wins. You know what I love about this? I love the fact that modern psychologists have finally caught up to the Bible. Psychologists call it cognitive behaviour therapy. The Bible calls it taking every thought captive. And the Bible goes on and tells us how to do that, on how to think these faith thoughts. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers, this really is very interesting in the light of all the things that we allow in our eye gate in life today. When you think of the things that you watch, that you see, that you allow to come into your eye gate, allow to come into your mind, allow you to inform how it is that you think, this is very challenging. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, what does it say? Think about these things. What you're thinking about. What are you allowing yourself to be informed by? See, right there it's telling you Get that fear thought, that fear of danger, fear of lies, the fear of all these other things. Get rid of those thoughts and replace them. Whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Right there is how to have thoughts that take captive fear and replace fear with faith. 1 John 4.18 says this, there is, perf there is no fear in love. So, but perfect love casts out fear. 
For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been protected in love. You know, when Shiloh is about two years old, she's going to fall over one day and she's going to skin her knee and she's going to start crying. And Clive Amore is going to pick up Shiloh. He's going to say, all right, darling, I'll kiss that better. And right then in that moment, Shiloh is the most secure person in the world because she knows that her dad, her mum, has got her. She knows that she's loved. She knows that she's protected. And she has no fear. Fear is gone because she's wrapped up in love. See, this gives us some insight, this verse, of how fear's worked. All fear, and this is a challenging statement, all fear is based in the fact that we don't really believe, we haven't really taken into full effect the fact that God loves us. Loves not just us, loves you. Right? See, a lot of us, we can, we can kind of go, well, I know he loves them, but he doesn't know what I've done. You, like, it's me, I'm just that little bit different, but you're not. What makes you so special that God's love isn't enough? Somewhere deep down, we believe that what is happening is happening because God is not happy with us. That God's judgment or God's punishment or God's consequences or, or the fact that we deserve it have come upon us. We don't really believe that God wants to protect us, wants to, to help us, wants to be with us. And so we allow a fear to come into our lives. But perfect love casts out fear. If you can really believe and can truly sit in God's love, then fear will melt away. Your fear will dissipate. Now I'm about to do something that's a risk. Right? I'm going to take a risk with us as a congregation uh, this morning. I'm going to do something that I do when I get particularly fearful or stressed or feel out of control. When something particularly negative happens that takes away my sleep, might have been something that I did, might have been something that someone else has done. It might have been a report that's happened. It might be something, whatever. But I get to a place where I feel out of control. I get to a place where I just, I, I, it's not right. Fear is upon me. I, I'm scared of tomorrow. I'm scared of what's going to happen. I'm scared of what I'm hearing. I, I don't like it. And, and, and so this is what I do. And I'm going to do this. I listen to a piece of Joseph Prince music. It's not that good. His voice is terrible. It's not even a voice. It's a warble. It's, it's terrible. But it does something in my spirit. Fear is there. I'm worried. I'm losing sleep. I, 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 I'm getting mad. I'm getting anxious. I, I'm getting angry. I, all, all these things are happening and I know I'm not in a good place. So I go and I hide myself because I want to take every thought captive. I want to put myself in a place where I start to think well. 
I start to put myself in his presence. I, I, I put myself in a place where instead of being bowed down by the circumstances, it lifts my head and I can start to look into heaven. And it does replaces fear with faith. It takes my thoughts captive. It, it directs my thoughts to, to faith. See, when I leave that moment in time, and this piece of music, I'm not going to do it today, right, for an hour and 20 minutes, right? But this piece of music lasts for an hour and 20 minutes. And when I leave that place, the situations are exactly the same. Nothing has changed. It's not like God's done some miracle and all these things. No, but I am different. The person that walks out of there, walked into there with faith. See, it's a choice. I don't have to do that, right? But I choose to do it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a six-minute version of part of this music today. Now, remember, I'm not trying to tell you that the, the power is not in the piece of music. Right? The power is in God. I'm trying to show you what I do. Some of you are going to love the music. You're going to come to me afterwards and say, what was that? And how can I download it? And I'm going to need to do that tomorrow. Other you are going to go, huh? And some of you are going to go, how mad dare you make me listen to that in church? Right? So the power is not in the actual piece of music. The power is in the demonstration of what I do of taking a thought captive. That all of you need to find your piece of Joseph Prince music or your place where you go, where you're able to lift up your head and see what it is that faith is saying, rather than keep your head bowed low and see what your fear is saying. See, it's a choice. Say it with me now. Do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. Let's listen to this for six minutes. Think of tomorrow, think of that deal, think of that symptom in your body, of what the doctors have said, of the impossibility of the situation. Bring your thoughts in the obedience of Christ. He's your shield. Tears. I will set you free tonight. 
set you free, my child, from all your fears. Just pour out your heart to the Lord. It's okay, you feel like crying, just cry. But don't resist the anointing. Yield to the anointing. Behold, I, the Lord, say unto you, 
afraid. I am with you, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. You see, when I'm fearful and the stress of life hits me, I actually go and do something. I'm not just going to allow it to just happen. I'm going to take those thoughts captive. That's how I take my thoughts captive. I'm not saying that's how you have to take your thoughts captive. But I am saying you do have to take your thoughts captive somehow, some way. Because without it, you're on your throne. You're not with God. See, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But fear also comes by hearing, but hearing by the Word of man. So what are you going to hear? Am I going to hear man's Word that brings fear? Or am I going to hear God's Word that brings faith? Am I going to take those words of man and take captive and bring them into subjection to Christ and allow God's words over my life to have their way. Faith triumphs over fear. And so this morning I would say to you, do not fear. The words of Jesus, do not fear, only believe. Fear is easy, it's natural, it comes. It's where the devil loves to play. Many a life has been ruined by fear. Faith takes a bit more work, takes some courage. It can be uncomfortable, it can be challenging, but it gets the job done. You know, Jairus gets his miracle. His daughter's raised from the dead. What was hopeless becomes his forever testimony. And that's what God wants to do. If you allow faith to triumph over fear, what was going to be a place of hopelessness becomes a place of forever testimony. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if there's something today that is shouting at you, but it's based in fear, and I'm not asking you to tell everyone else because I've got every eye closed, every head bowed, but if there's something you're fearing today, a voice that's loud, something that's trying to make you fear, I want you to raise your hand. That's right. Many hands all through this place. Father, you can put your hands down. Father, you see every one of these hands. Every one of them is hearing a voice of fear. Every one of them is hearing something that's trying to prophesy their future and I rebuke that now in the name of Jesus and I speak God's future, God's words, God's plan, God's purpose into their circumstance right now. Let it be that their spirit of faith just sits up and starts to take notice. Let it be that their spirit of faith just sits up and starts to get activated right now. Father, we come against that fear, rebuke that fear, we speak the Word of the Lord. We speak the presence of God. We take captive every thought that has come against what you're trying to say, oh God. And Father, we speak for forever testimonies. Forever 
testimonies. Forever testimonies right now in Jesus' name. You know, this is Dedication Sunday. And I'm not going to ask any parents to raise their hands or anything along those lines. But there are many parents that fear for their children. It's a natural thing. You want your best for your children. And yet your children sometimes are making decisions that you wish they weren't. Or, or you're scared about what's going on. Or you've got little kids and you're going, what's going on with this world? How are they going to be? What's going what's to happen right now? I want to say to you, God's got a plan for them. God loves them. God's got a promise for them. God's got something for them. Put them into God's hands. You know, some people here, you got this fear because it's based on what I said, perfect love casts out fear. You go, if I was a better mother, if I was a better dad, if I'd been there, if I wasn't there, if I hadn't done this, I should have done that. And you berate your own parenting skills. And now you blame yourself because of what's happened to some of your children. I come against that right now. I come against that right now. There's only one perfect father. And he isn't in this room in a sense of a person sitting down. Our heavenly father is our only perfect parent. Right? None of us are perfect. All of us could have done it better. All of us could have, should have, would have. But our children are God's. That's why we dedicated them. We gave them over to God. And maybe some people in this place need to do that again. Need to, you need to, God, they're yours. Now start to work on them. Start to be with them. Start to woo them, draw them. Start to woo them and draw them. I rebuke the fear that comes from parenting in the name of Jesus. Father, your kids. We put them in your hands. Father, let the love of God draw them back to repentance, O oh Lord. Let's love them. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray peace. Right now, there's just a, a gentle presence of the peace of God. Take it. Take it. It's yours, given to you by God. The peace that surpasses all understanding. You shouldn't have peace. You should be in turmoil. You should be going crazy. You should be completely anxious. But the peace of God, which passes all understanding, is here in this room. Partake of it. Partake of it. Partake of it. Also, just want to speak to those who have yet to become Christians, yet to give your life to Jesus. Doing life alone means you've got to do life alone. Doing life without the presence of God, without the peace of God, without God in your life means that you've always got to try and win in the flesh, but your flesh will always end up losing. You're not strong enough. In the flesh, no matter how disciplined you are, how much willpower you have, you need someone stronger than you to get through what it is that you're trying to get through. And so I'd say to you that Jesus 
is the one who comes alongside. Jesus is the one that gives counsel and guidance and through His Holy Spirit will lead you through life. So you need to trust God with your life to bring it into purpose, the purpose that He has for you. So maybe you're in this house and you're in this place this morning and you're not a Christian and you need to know, you know it's time to give your life to Christ. If that's you in this place, can you raise your hand? Anyone here? Thank you, one young lady. Anyone else? You want to become a Christian, trust yourself to Jesus. Is that you? Anyone else as I look over? Father, I pray. You see this lady or God who has responded to you this morning. Father, Lord, right now let us sense your presence, your goodness, oh God. Father, Lord, let it be just feeling that sense inside. It's remarkable, but I'm not fearing what I was fearing when I walked into this place. Father, Lord, let us see that there's a great future and that you, oh Lord, have her life in your hands and those things that she should be scared and fearful over, oh Lord, Father, you are going to take control of and you're going to lead her, guide her, speak with her. And Father, show her your goodness. We just thank you for her in Jesus' name. Someone will come and speak to you afterwards and and help you and pray with you personally. That would be great.